begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It's Chris from the Outer Rim Transmission Podcast. I'm joined by the full crew this week. Milton returns as well as Ben. We are here to talk about the Bad Batch Season 2 Mid-Season Finale. And we're also talking about the latest news from Jedi Survivor to another Star Wars series premiering on May the 4th and much, much more. So here we are halfway through Bad Batch. And uh, how's it going, Milton? We we missed you last week. Uh, can you tell us some of your thoughts on last week's episode? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's good to be back, like always. Um, yeah, so I did watch last week's episode. Um, and I'll be honest with you, just like I've been saying previously, it's, it, it was it was kind of a filler. It was a waste. I It just had no substance to me. Um, but thank God we had these two episodes this past week because it at least pushed the narrative and what we wanted to see for the course of the show. But last week's episode to me was just a waste. I didn't care. I wasn't invested. Um, but this weekend was completely different. So and we're, we're going to talk about it later. But yeah, um, those are just my brief thoughts on last week's episode. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can see that. Yeah, does, does it go anywhere? Eh, not really. I just feel like compared to the other two episodes, as me and Ben and Jesse were talking about our guests last week, it at least seemed like there was more character story going on rather than just, oh, plot or device. Eye, or eye candy, too. Like, stuff yeah. to, you know, entertaining stuff, at least. Mm-hmm. 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 Hmm. What about you, Ben? What you been up to this week? Um, just a normal week, you know, just getting ready for the Super Bowl this yep. weekend. Um, and then just the normal, like fitness grind, diet grind, um, just, just the basic type of stuff really, um, in terms of the week, like nothing too extravagant. I mean, there was a big windstorm here the last couple of days where that was like blowing like 40 miles an hour. Like that was about it, but nothing, nothing too crazy. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, crazy weather here. Um, yeah, we're becoming a weather podcast. It's like, oh, weather's cold. Oh, it's warm. It's cold. It's warm. Well, it's just the <laughs> planet is going through some crazy stuff, apparently, right now. All right. Oh, yeah. um, anybody have anything to chat about when it comes to Star Wars? Anything cool? Anything interesting that they might have thought about or watched since we last convened? No, I don't think I have anything in particular. Um, and now that I think about it, I don't. That's it's, it's very rare, but I don't have any any interactions with anyone about Star Wars, which is rare. Honestly, I'll be honest. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll I'll go as far as I'm concerned. I got a, a a new TV, 4K TV. Never had one, so it's like, hmm, what? This is probably a question I could pose for the group. It's like, if you're showing off a, a new TV or a new technical device, which Star Wars movie are you going to try to showcase first? You know, to, to see the, the power and the, the capability of the new piece of tech. I mean, I put on Rogue One because I feel like seeing the vibrancy of Scarif, it did look really good on that OLED TV. <laughs> well, and whatever the, the um, where whatever planet they were on the, on the opening scene with the um, with the with Mickelson with with Mads Mickelson at the beginning, mm-hmm. that whole, uh, that whole sequence with Krennic, that like I just say what I want. Like I'm not like the biggest biggest Rogue One fan, but but the opening sequence is great. Like the cold open, landing on the planet, see the Imperial shuttle fly overhead, like all that stuff. I think is just so so good in that movie. Hell yeah, hell yeah. What about you? Any Star Wars? Yeah, go ahead, Milton. Go ahead. Sorry. 
I'd probably go uh, Revenge of the Sith, honestly, just because the opening scene for Revenge of the Sith with the um, oh, the, yeah. uh, the war mm-hmm. with Coruscant mm-hmm. and then obviously with the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. A one-two punch, a one-two punch. So there you go. We'd like to hear what you guys would recommend for showing off your TV with some Star Wars content. You know, I think Mandalorian would look fantastic on there. Anything newer, especially just because it's like with 4K in mind, um, would be would be my my go-to there. Hey, we got Star Wars timeline Ben in the chat. Yo, guys, what's up? Um, and that goes for everybody. You can always join us live every Friday at nine o'clock p.m. Eastern. You can get involved uh, with the conversation, or if you can always download us after the fact. New episodes always go live on your podcatchers around midnight on monday ben anything from you yeah well actually this week um we're we're about almost eight weeks out so this week as everyone knows here started my watch of mando season two episode one and in just like the countdown to the mandalorian season three and man guys like watching that first episode of the of season two it's just like so cinematic with the crate dragon, just the way it's shot. Um, like it just, you know, it just blows you away, like comparing it to season one of Mandalorian. And then, you know, so many of the great features of that episode are like so subtle. Like, you know, when the crate dragon's coming, like Grogu, like like for a split second, the camera's on Grogu and he's like out of the pot, and then like the split second later he's inside the the cooking pot. Like, just like those type of little touches, they John Favreau through in that episode, you know, just really like hammered home, you know, just like, hey, we're back. Like it's it's the Mandalorian, the Mandalorian, we're back. And then just the fact like the whole relations with the Tuscan Raiders, I, I think, is always such an interesting take in the Mandalorian universe because, you know, we are they they were known to us as like monsters, and then it, it turns out this is just like a different um sect of the Tuscan Raider um group. So it just it's it's such a good episode and then of course like the ending the ending mm. you know just like broke the internet i remember mm-hmm. basically like you talk about mando season one breaking the internet with grogu then season two it ends with boba fett like standing there like watching over everything with the sunset like it just such a great way to start that season and you know just looking forward to the next episode next week hell yeah i that was one hell of a premiere uh, going into a season, having that kind of scale just right from the get-go, showcasing it was less than a year. Remember, it was a less than a year since season one, which shocked me. It was like, okay, season one started in November. Season two starts in October. So the fact that they were able to show the scale and the magnitude at which they're able to use a bigger budget to just go ahead and put that quality of a CGI creature on the screen, you feel... Uh, the tremors through through your own floor with the way that thing visualized and just the awesome awesomeness of course of of expanding Tuscan culture as you said and having one of many cameos that would kind of keep uh, the the watchers engaged throughout and I mean come on Cobb freaking Banth a character introduced from a freaking paper cannon novel well that's, and he puts that's into a live action show in a, a pretty large role with a large actor playing like a very well-known actor playing him was like oh my gosh did i feel vindicated as a book reader man i was like or valid or whatever 
Well, well, that's one of the best parts about the episode, too, is, like, the way it shot, of course, like, us, us three and anybody listening to this podcast, we knew Cobb Van, we knew that wasn't Boba Fett when, when Din was talking to him. But, you know, if you look at it from, like, a general, like, mom and pop standpoint watching the episode, they're, they're looking when, when, you know, when it's Cobb in the full Boba armor, they're looking and they're like, what in the world? Like, Boba Fett's just standing there? Like, what is going on? Like, you know, so John, John shot it, they shot it in such a way, you know, it's convincing for, like, the casual viewer that, man, is this Boba Fett? And then it's Timothy Oliphant, and it's like, whoa, like didn't see this coming so uh yeah they did a really good job with that and then of course like you said um to me that was that was such a nice thing because like like sure we've had connections in in the live action terms of things like from the books and games and stuff but that was like the first big 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 hitter for me where it was like oh man they're actually pulling in book material you know so i really really appreciated that and i uh i can't wait to see more of that, whether it be in like the Mandalorian season three or the Acolyte or any of these future projects. Like, I think there's a lot of potential. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So getting into the show proper, because as I said, off the top, we have a lot to get through. Um, And that's in addition to a two-parter episode for the Bad Batch. So first off, out this week, we have Hidden Empire issue number three. We have Darth Vader issue number 31. And we have the High Republic issue number five. I'm not going to give any kind of rundown of those because I already have that sort of thing on the channel right now. So make sure you go ahead and do that every single week, too. So if you are coming here for the podcast, go ahead and check out that comic content because I do. I try to do my best of giving you guys a, a kind of like a, a speedy kind of a Cliff Notes version of what happened um, each week in those. So as we, uh, as you had mentioned, but I think you might have gotten slightly confused. I think you said eight weeks till Mando. I think your brain was on celebration because we're actually eight weeks from celebration. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, we are going full blown into the promotion of that. Uh, Billy D. Williams will be there, which is pretty cool. They're flying him all the way out, which I'm surprised at his age. He's he's going to be out there because he's he's getting close to ninety at this point. Um, of course, Rosario Dawson has been announced. I mean, I can't imagine Ros- Ahsoka not having a panel and her not being there. But the fact that she's doing autographs and stuff, we all know that she's like a big. Uh, proponent of like really giving back to the fans and really involved with the fan community from even before she was in confirmed. Um, and we have a bunch of actors from Return of the Jedi. Uh, you know, people that played like Yak Face, Ula, uh, the, Tim Rose playing Admiral Akbar. We have a whole bunch of guests uh, playing a lot of those characters, including some of the cool background character creatures in uh, Return of the Jedi. And as I mentioned, I am doing a panel of Dominic Jones from Star Wars Underworld based on, oddly enough, the underworld of Star Wars. So I will give out details as we get closer. We're still nailing down, but we are confirmed to be there at some point uh, throughout throughout the weekend. Um Getting into, let's see, we'll start with uh, a brand new series we had talked at last week or the week before. Yeah, it was last week. They had already announced we're getting Vision Season 2 or Volume 2 to be exact, May the 4th. And that is not the only thing because now we are also getting the preschool Star Wars release of Star Wars Young Jedi Adventures. Uh, What's significant about this is it's the first, uh, well, two things. It's the first like preschool kids series and it's also the first technically the first show taking place during a higher public era um i don't know to what degree this thing is going to be connected to the higher public but 
nonetheless, uh, you guys can check out. There's a couple. There's a couple images um, to to kind of see where the um, the artwork looks. Uh, it looks like we have Yoda, and he's got a bunch of different type of uh, people and creatures and all, and all that good stuff. So yeah, I'm guessing this is going to be a like a one one a week drop. It doesn't mention the whole series will be out. So. Uh, at least I'll check out the first episode. You know, it's not going to be for my demographic or any of our viewers probably demographic. But hey, if you have kids or nieces and nephews, hey, you can point them in a direction of a brand new series that might be aimed for the kids. I think between like two to five or six years old, you know, something like that. It's gonna it's gonna be on uh, Disney Junior as well. So that's interesting. Where it's like they have a. Um, simultaneous release on Disney Plus and Disney Junior. So, whoever's still watching cable, I don't know in that regards. But yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, my my sister might be using it. I mean, my my niece is almost two years old, and she loves. Anytime she sees Grogu, she is like the happiest kid in the world. She literally just will run up and like I have my couple, you know, Grogu's I got for Christmas a couple mm -hmm. years ago. And she literally just will run up and give those Grogu's a hug and just carry them all around the house and just just loves them. So that'll be a perfect little thing to uh, show her. Hell yeah! All right, so this is this is something that I could also spend a lot of time on. But as I keep mentioning, we have a big show to talk about with some episodes that we may or may not have liked with the Bad Patch this week. But IGN has basically come out with a bunch of Jedi Survivor content. And they actually came out, Ben, I didn't tell you this, they came out with another video today. They came out with another oh, video. Really? Yeah, so basically what's happening is IGN is going to be releasing like exclusive Jedi Survivor content over the next month, all throughout February. Um, so what's happening is they gave us a nine-minute gameplay walkthrough of just somebody playing the game, which is, we haven't gotten that yet, so this has given us a good taste at what this game is going to be all about. Um, so I'm really excited. I have this playing as I'm talking over it. But, I mean, long story short, this nine-minute game demo, it doesn't, like, and this is what we expected, you know, when we seen the first gameplay trailer back at the Game Awards. It's not, you know, reinventing the wheel as far as, like, what a sequel could be, right? It's, it's not like, it looks like it's a more open-world game, uh, but there's different things in here. For instance, uh, Cal Kessis, his voice actually sounds like he's aged, which is really cool that, um, uh, what's his name? The Cameron, Cameron Monaghan, Monaghan was able to kind of like make a huskier kind of sounding voice, grit, uh, grittier sound of voice. It is five years after Fallen Order. Um, you have certain things like gadgets you can use that kind of make it seem like it's almost more of a open world game, which is really cool because he's using electro binoculars to like scan the environment marking locations which signifies to me like okay there's going to be some places to go uh the first thing you notice here is i'm talking over this video i don't want to post it on the on the podcast because i don't want to get this thing taken down um but there's a lot of separatist stuff in this level and this is a new planet that was invented by Re respawn for this game it's called kobo um very dry arid type of place you know some plant life but you see a separatist core ship like a huge separatist core ship and this entire little walkthrough has cal kestis taking on separatist b1 battle droids b2 battle droids whoever these like mercenary guys with these electro uh electro staff type weapons um 
Also, they did mention in this video, uh, in this other video that IGN put out today, which is basically talking about the different um, enemy types that are new to this game, just some of them. So they have B1s, B2s, they have uh, BX Commando droids with like the Vibro knives, which are really cool from the Clone Wars. They even confirmed, they're not in this thing, you're going to enjoy this, Ben, droid dekas are going to be in this game. You're going to actually fight against droid dekas. Like freaking Obi Wan and Qui Gon, they're gonna have their bubble shields. They're gonna be tough as nails enemies. Um, they also confirmed there's gonna be um, Grievous's bodyguards. You know the the, the Magna guards. They are gonna be in there. Um, you're gonna have, as we've seen in the trailer, you're gonna have the they call them like the DK droids or something. They're basically like the the droids from Rebels that almost look like dark troopers. They're gonna be in there. There's going to be scout troopers that use shields. And the really interesting about the thing about this, this also wasn't in a trailer, but what I like about Jedi Phone Order is every enemy has a weakness and you have to know how to exploit the weaknesses, whether it is pairing, using special force attacks. So against the troopers with the shields, you're going to actually have to use the force to force pull the shield off. And then they literally said you can fling the shield back at them like Captain America. So I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, this is this is great. Uh, as I continue to watch this video, there's also this really big troll-like creature that is jumping around. Um, so obviously, in, in in Jedi Fallen Order, there is a lot of killing animals, and in this nine-minute clip, there is a lot more of killing animals. And it's almost like, you know, I know people gave it a hard time in the game. Like, why is Cal killing so many animals as a Jedi? It's like. Guys, you just realize like this is the medium that this is. It's a video game. Like, video don't game. take it seriously. These are just things he has to overcome. Whatever, whatever. Um, but I mean, I watched this on the 4K display that I just recently got, and I'm just like, you know, you could see this in 1080p, but when I watched it in the 4K resolution, I was like, whoa, this is this is sick. But it's really cool because throughout this uh, gameplay trailer, you could hear plenty of really funny dialogue from the B1 battle droids, obviously. Um, uh, Matthew, um, whatever, what is, what is his name again? The, the guy that does the voice of the, um, of the droids. Oh, yeah. I, I can't think of his name now. Ah, whatever. Um, Matthew Wood. Matthew Wood. Yes. Thanks. Yep. Thanks. Matt. Matthew Wood Matthew is Wood. voicing the B1 battle droids. They're saying some ridiculous things, but as you could tell, like this is after, this is like 10 years after, the CIS has been destroyed, you know? So it, you got different droids with their different markings. Like they all look different, but there's a lot of bisecting going on, which is pretty neat. Like the, the lightsaber just smashing through their arms. You got the, the super battle droids are pretty imposing because they're like the brawler as we'd expect. There are the hulking types. There's lots, lots of little creatures jumping around. Oh, the big thing, big thing is the saber combat. So that's what a lot of people wanted to see more of in this next game. And they definitely show off a lot of use between three different forms of saber content combat that you can switch off on the fly. So they show, they show Cal using a single lightsaber. They show Cal using dual configuration lightsabers which was really sick because you're seeing Cal like throw the lightsaber with one hand while continuing to fight with the other in melee and getting the saber and just crushing it like it's it's really dynamic and then at the same point he can also configure it into the you know the classic double blade lightsaber and there's like really cool finishing moves he's like doing in like a saber staff like against the super battle droid so I mean again this is not going to be a revolutionary 
step up there's there's gadgets as well you see like a little cool like grappling like gadget ability he uses like this mechanical thing in his sleeve to like swing across a chasm um but it looks beautiful i'm happy that respawn is exploring new worlds but i'm also very curious about if we're gonna yeah i mean we have to like go to a familiar world like we did with dathomi or kashik so i would love to see more of an urban world because we've been seeing a lot of these kind of frontier type of planets that are a little sparse when it comes to any sentient life. There's mainly creatures and just the empire for the most part. But yeah, I'm I'm liking what I see. Um, ben, I know you watched this through. Uh, what are your impressions from the nine minutes of gameplay off of IGN, man? Yeah, I, I thought it looked really good. Um, like you said, it's more of a... Why you were describing it, I couldn't think of how... Like, I would say it's more of a continuing of the story and maybe even the gameplay with better graphics some better features etc like you said they're not reinventing the wheel which is fine because my thing is with fallen order it was such a big hit why would you like completely reinvent the wheel when you have something really good there already so uh so you know so that's something to think about when people are like talking about that whole topic and then yeah the gameplay looks fantastic like you said the battle droids of course the saber combat um, just the overall look and scope and scale of the game looks really nice. And in terms of, you know, like you said, we have the new planets. And of course, we have to get some familiar planets. My dark horse guess for maybe a familiar planet, maybe, you know, with the last game getting involved with Vader a bit, maybe we end up going to Mustafar for something. Like maybe, maybe you get some of like the Vader, like the Sith stuff. Like, I don't know, you sneaking around on Mustafar for mm. something or I don't know, but like maybe that maybe they do that uh, just because you know obviously you're gonna have to like Cal's gonna have to get in danger somehow. So like, what better way to go to potentially be in danger than like going to Vader's where Vader's castle is? Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, before I forget, this is gonna make a lot of people happy. So in throughout this play out playthrough, he goes up to a cargo chest and what does he loot? Not a poncho, but what looks like Finn's bomber jacket from uh, The Force Awakens or who, Oscar Isaacs or whatever, Finn. Um, or Poe Dameron, I mean. So, yeah, I know a lot of people were like, oh, my gosh, can we get some more customization options other than freaking ponchos all the time? So it's been confirmed even in this playthrough. You know, Cal's got that really cool smuggler-looking outfit. So, yeah, I mean, it's this is... This is what it is, and by that I mean I'm very excited for the game. Again, it got delayed six weeks, but you know, if this if this type of um, playthrough is anything indicative of the final product, I think this game is going to come out even more polished than than the first game. Because I mean, you guys can let me know in the chat or after the fact. I had no problem with the game when it first came out. Apparently, the game had bugs. I don't. I don't remember them. I also played it on PC, so maybe the PC was just a better better version than the console at the time, but I didn't have problems, but all I know is, um, yeah, they're taking six weeks to, to polish the game, add some quality of life things, but it's it, it looks great. I like seeing the interaction of droids and, and, and the creators in that other video that came out today about the enemies were, they specifically were like, yeah, we want to bring droids into the game and they were talking about the different abilities because that's all you really need from this game yeah if you make it open world that's cool but when it comes down to the game the game mattered most with the combat i feel like above everything oh the story is amazing too but the, the combat was really 
where I was able to like, you can really sink your teeth into the combat. It's not so, it's not a simplistic system at all. And in fact, it takes skill to really like anticipate your movements like a Jedi would. And, and it translates really well to a gamepad, to a controller. And the fact that they were talking about, for instance, like the, the Magna Guards are going to be really hard to take out. They're going to be very unpredictable. So it's going to be hard to kind of like judge what they're going to do because they're more of an elite force, right? So, and then you have the commando droids, which are super agile. They're super quick. And you see them in, in, in this gameplay footage of them like flipping all around the different things. And then like you have the lowliest of the low, which is the, the, the B1 battle droids, which literally go down with a single swing of your lightsaber. Um, usually they're in like at least five or six of them trying to kill you at once. So, they're in waves, and like even if you deflect a bullet or, or a blaster bolt, they're going to die in one shot. So I like how they are establishing a hierarchy, and this just seems like it's going to double, at least double the amount of enemies that you'll come across. And this is just the droid stuff. They didn't even really talk about anything else. And there's going to be more coverage coming out of the game. Um, it looks like he's gathering materials of some sort, so it looks like this game will have some kind of crafting element and they haven't given us like an exact idea of this, but the game definitely is going to be bigger because this also was confirmed, not in this, but something else. They said there's rideable creatures, which we kind of seen already. They did say there are fast travel points. And I know a lot of people were a little bit perturbed by the idea that they couldn't go from point A to point B very quickly in, in the previous game. I mean, part of that was in the design of the game, right? Because the design is very much like, oh, you go here first and you have to backtrack because you get a new item, and then that new item will allow you to get to another area of the map that you couldn't access before. So there, there was a reason why there wasn't a lot of fast travel, because they wanted you to like stumble across stuff and find it out naturally. Um, so when they say there's fast travel, that automatically sets a red flag saying, oh my gosh, these worlds are going to be a lot bigger because um, you're going to have to get around. And like I said, the electro-binocular thing in the beginning, um, it just looked like there was a lot more of an expanse. It's not going to be super open world because, you know, there's going to be multiple planets anyway, so it's kind of hard to do that, but we shall see. Uh, we shall see. So, yeah, it's coming out, I believe, April 28th, and, uh, yeah, keep watching IGN if you want the latest because they're the ones that have the exclusive reveals of this stuff coming out randomly, so... Oh yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited for it. I can't wait. Um, like you said, I feel like we're gonna just keep getting more and more as we get closer as well. I'm sure we'll get another like five minute video or nine minute. You know, we'll get more and more like clips like that leading up to it. I bet. Oh yeah. So we are going to get into our main topic of the evening, and that is the Bad Batch. We're going to be talking about this to the same capacity that we talked about the season finale. We're going to count both Episode 7 and Episode 8, The Clone Conspiracy and Truth and Consequences, as a single score, a single episode, because, well, that's the way they're meant to be watched, back-to-back. Um, -back. So here we go. I'm going to throw this one over to Milton, man. What was your first impressions before we get into the deeper discussion? What did you think about this episode? What'd you like? Uh, what'd you dislike? All those sorts of things right off the top, man. Yeah, uh, first impressions, it was it's way better than the last three or four episodes we've gotten, for mm -hmm. sure. Um, I mean, I, I paid attention the whole time. Mm -hmm. It wasn't wasn't episodes where they felt wasted or they were filler. They were actually important episodes to the narrative and to the plot of the whole entire um, Bad Bash and what was taking place. Um I like these. I like these two episodes. They were very, very well done. They looked great visually. Um, I loved, you know, the music choices. I loved how they just pushed the narrative forward. 
what we wanted to know about the clones being decommissioned. Um, really wasn't a negative thing about this episode that I could point out that I was like, eh, disappointed in. Overall, I liked it. What well, was it a perfect episode? If I try to go back and rewatch it, I'm sure there weren't things that, that weren't perfect about it, but it didn't feel like it. It felt like a really good, really, really, really good episode. And it felt like it should have, it felt like we should have gotten this all season. Honestly. Yeah. And what, like, the one thing I said to myself was, Literally, I'm sitting here on my couch getting ready for the day, watching the first part. I said, this is some BS because now I'm pissed off because I know this show could have been good if we'd have <laughs> got these episodes. Like, throughout the last, was it, six episodes? I know we had episode mm. three that was solid. Yep. But we're getting these trash episodes that don't make any sense, don't mean anything. But then we get episode seven and eight, and it's like, wait a minute. Like, this is what I've been wanting. Mm-hmm. This is what I've been wanting to know about the clones and, you know, the Empire and how it's been expanding and, you know, just that lore of Star Wars. I don't care about Wookiees and trees. You know what I'm saying? I'm just keeping it 100. So, like, that's why I'm glad we got this particular episode. And I love that it's a narrative. And I'm looking forward to what, how they're going to follow this up. Now, what's going to be, what's going to happen is next episode is going to be something about nothing and i'm like okay we had a strong mid-season finale why don't you build upon it but we'll see yeah yeah um as far as my concern like this this episode was so much to say so much to say about this episode um there is there is from the perspective of uh the star wars universe a a major thing happened in the star wars universe here not just for the bad batch but for the entire galaxy entire canon timeline as a whole got completely turned on its head uh, a major thing in that second episode but even before that even before i had any inkling of what was going to happen in the end of that second episode as you said Millen, i was paying attention as I was, I was on the edge of my seat i was engaged because this felt like an andor episode i'm going to bring it back to andor this felt like an andor freaking episode in in a way it was very mature it was very uh, espionage-esque um very kind of political intrigue I felt the tension. It was palpable. I cut it with a knife. The fact that this guy was in trouble and he had information that he knew he shouldn't have had and he shouldn't have said anything. And you're just like, okay, what's going to happen with these clones? Like, are they going to get, are they going to actually do this? Are they actually going to tell their story and get it out there and, and get their message heard to the whole galaxy? It was just, okay. So between the action, between the overall feel, the tone, man, I, this is what I mean. The tone of this episode was just it was just fantastic it really hit on everything i want to see from the show and it's also kind of strange how the show can have those treasure on episodes and then do something like this because it's like the tonal shift is just kind of all over the place and it kind of shows you too it's like okay the episodes that don't have the bad batch are the really really good episodes and then you have the bad batch and it kind of gets left by the wayside but this episode remedied that i like the idea that this this episode like set up the reason why the bad batch was going to be involved and it made sense and their mission was really engaging when they had to go on the the star destroyer to get the information all of that melded perfectly into that first episode the reason why they were called to help and an integration with rex the integration with the characters that we'll all talk about that we all know and love um just a fantastic episode i'm gonna throw it over to the ben yeah i can agree I totally agree with all your points both of you guys made. Um, for me, I thought the episode the episode was fantastic. I just I think every aspect of it, from the story, the characters involved, the action, 
the um the basically kind of twist at the end like i for me the nice thing about the episode i'm not sure about you guys but i was going through it and i was like how especially when we get to the part where um rampart gets busted i was thinking how are they going to resolve this like in terms of implications for the original trilogy and then we get the ending and i'm like oh man like didn't see that coming so um i really enjoyed the way they they wrapped it they did such a good job all our characters had a had a um had a good had a had good roles in the episode but from the bad batch to omega doing her stuff um with the senator and uh and that sort of thing like just all of the characters involved i think were were really really well used and then you know milton i was i was smiling when you were giving your your breakdown because you hit the nail on the head we all know let's be real here guys we all know we're gonna go from these episodes and it's gonna be a sid mission probably next week like it's it's coming probably um i hope not but i feel like it's gonna um but but yeah i think the episode was fantastic though like it just it really was it was it was the best episode we've had so far this season in my opinion and it just hopefully hopefully they keep building on it and, and continuing to get better because for me not even really andor um just because i feel like that this episode had a little more action than even andor at points but i think this felt more like peak clone wars to me like it just felt like peak clone wars um during like the clone wars as high high moments with not obviously not the jedi episodes but like the clone trooper episodes like the serious feel and vibe of the clone troopers episodes whether it be like rookies or the umbara arc or like different things like that like it felt more along those lines of peak clone wars and of course with the characters involved i think that's why like it really helps it so they did a really good job with those characters and i'm i'm really looking forward to seeing where things go for uh for the next eight episodes hell yeah as far as let's just kind of start from the beginning and we'll go and we'll work way to the end there so the whole idea oh my gosh coruscant coruscant how did i not mention coruscant just going back there seeing how great it looks in animation and just the daytime facades as well as like the the clone club and the neon it brought me back to attack of the clones that whole feeling that whole tone setting and, and even with the plot itself, with like a sniper trying to kill him, just like Django killing Zam Wessel there. So that to me was like, whoa, this is this is something cool. But the the idea that they were able to to take that moment that I couldn't even feel like could have been weaponized against the Empire that we've seen in the finale of season one with the destruction of Kamino, like we didn't know that was handled in a way where they swept it under the rug. We I just assumed everybody knew that they destroyed it, but. I like how they were able to create that as like the linchpin for this whole thing going forward of like, okay, how are we going to get this information out? Like the clones aren't supposed to know about this. So this, this episode was a lot more mature in that degree where it's like, okay, these people, it felt kind of like a mafia story in a, in a way. Cause like nobody's safe. People are getting shot left and right. They get this assassin going around. What would you feel about that guys? Well, I, I knew for sure watching it, especially the beginning with with all the Senate chamber stuff, my first thought, honestly, I don't know about you, Chris, but my first thought was, I was like, man, Milton's probably going to love this, like going back to the Senate chambers and like having all these discussions and stuff. Like I really liked that. And then like 
like you said, just the fact it had the vibes of kind of like the prequels of like Zam Wessel or Jango Fett, like, you know, the whole assassin going around and stuff. Like that whole storyline I thought was really cool. And then of course the resolution of it, we'll get to that later in this episode, was really nice, like a good callback to the Mandalorian. So I just really like uh I really like what they did there. Yeah, I mean look, Coruscant is fire. I mean they they, they need to give us more of that. They need to stop playing around and give us planets that we all like and that are good for Star Wars and that we need to see. So Coruscant was beautiful. It was great to see it. I wasn't surprised how it played out in the sense of of like them hiding what they did to Camino because they did it with the Death Star. They did it when they destroyed Alderaan. You know, like that they, they set the precedent in that movie of showing like, yeah, Alderaan was destroyed by, you know, whatever or not older not um not Alderaan, um Jeddah. Jeddah. They they did that, they said it was destroyed by like a mining probe or or a mining accident or something. Like they they try to hide it. And I'm sure they did the same thing with Alderaan eventually with that same type of technology. So I wouldn't surprise What's up? I said even the Geonosis, like the workers, remember from yeah. Catalyst, they eliminated the Geonosian workers. Right, right. So, yeah, I'm not surprised because the Empire has a history of destroying stuff and hiding it or just trying to tell a different tale. So um, it's cool to see that they did that and that they got caught out on it. Um, I loved all the political stuff. When it comes to Star Wars, I think it makes Star Wars great and it strengthens what Star Wars is. I know a lot of weird old head Star Wars fans don't like that, but get over it and make Star Wars better. Um, and how they did it in the Clone Wars and even currently, dope. So that was one of my favorite parts of this particular episode. Yeah. Um, getting into the clones themselves and this ideology of the representation in the galaxy and I did not expect to go this deep into the clones of Star Wars. I mean, to give these guys like their rights and like, what are they doing after they essentially retire? This is stuff that that really gets in the weeds, but it really enriches the clones and it gets you to think and it ties into like things like Obi-Wan Kenobi, where we're seeing that phase two 501st clone played by Tamora Morrison on the streets begging for money on Dayu or whatever it's called. Like those things all connect in the Star Wars greater universe, but, you know, it, it kind of calls to home, like, stuff, like, in our day-to-day -day stuff and, and, and on Earth, right, representation of uh, people in need and different things that are often looked down upon or whatever. So uh, that's, you know, Star Wars is always you know, making commentary. The good Star Wars is always making good commentary on things happening now, giving p viewers, like, a reason to kind of, like, perk their ears up or pay attention and things like that. But, yeah, I thought it was done really well with just, oh, yeah, this is the epilogue of the Clone Wars. So we are dealing with not only, like, what is happening with, with the clones from what, you know, what their duties are, but, like, mentally, like, what these guys are, are going to be doing now afterwards. They're like, yeah, I don't know. We're going to keep fighting. We're going to keep fighting. But what happens when you physically can't fight anymore? And the mm. fact that we had this character, Chuche, Rio Chuchi, from the Clone Wars, uh, among Bail Organa, among uh, the other character, Senator Pomlo from Rogue One, you're getting the, the Senate scenes that we wanted to see, honestly, more of in Rogue One, or in Andor. We've seen it, but we didn't really see anything to like this degree. And that's where I agree, uh, Ben. It's like, yeah, this did feel a lot like a Clone Wars episode. And it was great seeing the Imperial Senate in action, seeing that the reaction was like, oh, yeah, you know, Palpatine's never here. 
Like it's usually just uh, the Chagrian guy up on the on the pedestal there, just uh, nodding his head or saying yes, you go and talk. And they know that nothing's ever really gonna actually happen. Um, so oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. Like like you said, like it's it's great getting to see like those characters from the Clone Wars, and then from even. Uh, you know, them kind of going into the weeds so much with the clone troopers, like, you know, what they're doing or what they're even like. I was honestly surprised how long some of the scenes were. It was a nice surprise, too. How long some of the scenes were where they really hung in the Senate room, like with Shuchi talking about like the clone pension and this and that. Like, that whole stuff I think was really cool just because it's like. Those are addressing some quite like logical questions. Like if you'd sit and watch the prequels and then go to the original trilogy, you'd be like, "Hey, where are the clones? Like, what's going on with millions of clone troopers?" Um, so I thought that was really cool. And then, like you said, of course, the connection to the real world. I mean, for me personally, I have a lot of um, uh, great uncles that were were war veterans, and like that made me really think of like a lot of the situations. A lot of our former veterans. Um, here in the states anyways you know they don't have like the best post um service career or post service treatment whether it be like the income or the pension plan retirement etc like they don't have the best um treatment and on a lot of them so like it just it was kind of a nice like callback to almost our real world service men and women like i thought that was a nice touch and then, of course, you know, the in-universe implications were really cool, too. So, like, they did a really, really good job on this episode. I was very impressed. Yeah. Uh, as far as the overall feel of the episode, the, the, like the, the cat and mouse kind of situation, just the rising of the tension. And I keep going back to the tone, the tone, the tone of this episode. Just the, the coloration of the darkness and the underworld was, it was a really nice touch. Um, Milton, what was your, what was your thoughts on, you know, in this first episode towards the end, you get the reveal of this clone being this guy being an assassin. He's actually a clone. What were your thoughts on that? I, I saw that coming. Like it, it just made sense. I mean, because even like how they talk about when they do capture him, like, you know, he, his markings were gone and all that type of thing. And so I mean, still at the time, the clones are are elite warriors. Like they're they're. I mean, I know the Empire at this time has been recruiting some normal people into the into the military, but they're not elite. They're not. They're not. They're not trained like the clones were. So you can see how that clone was or that assassin was shooting, moving, and I even said to myself, I'm like, oh, that's got to be a clone. It's got to be one. It's got to be a rogue clone or someone that Rampart has like kind of like just brainwashed into working for him. Um, Cause he says something about believing or something to that extent, whenever he offs himself. Um, I didn't think it was crosshair. I was like, there's no way they're going to put him in this position. Cause then you have to kill him. Um, but yeah, I, I, I didn't mind that it was a clone trooper who has been indoctrined by Rampart's, you know, way of thinking. Hell, even just by how the Empire has been structured. So it, it was, it was smart to do it that way. Oh, oh yeah, one hundred percent. Like the fact that they did did it that way, and then like, you know, er, in the earlier in the season, and then even er, even the last season to a degree. Like the fact that like the whole 
brotherhood thing like meant so important to like the clone troopers it was such a good um you know it's like a good character thing like obviously it's not it's not good for that individual clone trooper to be dealing with that like hey i'm a bad guy now i'm trying to kill another clone type thing but it's a good thing for like us as an audience to see that like complexity like them having to deal with that and like actually like oh we're gonna just try to like take out some of our fellow brothers here like so i thought that was a um a good touch and then like you said i liked that they added i really like that they're connecting like just little little grains here and there like you know how he off himself that was like similar to the way the one guy did in the mandalorian so like you know just those type of like little details are um what's really nice like from these couple episodes anyways hmm as far as this guy, I don't know. I keep thinking about, oh, is this like the early template for the Death Trooper program? Because this guy just was like, oh, I'm a true believer. Like, this is the type of soldier that would probably volunteer to be like, okay, you can cut me open and inject me with whatever type of steroids and boosters you need. I'm going to be your guy to just go out there and, and take people out. Because I like the connection to Mandalorian. Uh, you know, chain codes that, that was mentioned, I think, in this episode but then you have the electrocution cyanide pill tooth thing. I was like, oh, that is pretty gnarly. Like, <laughs> bad batch. I mean, as as much of a kid's show it is, like, it has those moments where it's like, oh, wait, what show am I watching again? Some guy just committed suicide here. Yeah, felt like Clone Wars. Yeah, exactly, because Clone Wars right. is like that. Yeah, Clone yeah, Wars did cool punches I mean, with that. I think, I think the show... This show, I mean, even with Clone Wars, I mean, when it had to go dark, it did a good job going dark. Um, and I think as the show has continued to go forward now with Bad Batch, like a lot of the fans who watch the Clone Wars have grown up with the show. So you have to age it up. You know, I, I, I'm totally fine with how, how they did it. Yeah. As, as far as um, overall, um, the idea of Chuchi, and I like thinking about this idea that she's carrying on the legacy of Padme Amidala. Like, she's a strong person in the Senate. This is the same type of bill. Like, if Padme was alive, she'd also be fighting this thing to her death. Like, no, you cannot let this law go into pass. And I love that. Like, it feels so much like the Clone Wars, where there's, like, we had a couple episodes in Clone Wars with the fighting this military bill or whatever, and it's like, okay, it's about to be passed. And the same kind of feel, but this is... Chuchi is basically... Padme Amidala without the fighting expertise. Um, so I like that idea of just the legacy of a certain character and seeing that fight continue along with Bail Organa as well. Yeah, no, 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 I, that makes sense. And and I think her character was a good addition to this episode. I think she really drove it. Um, I think obviously how they were writing this show, they were really trying to swerve us at times about her fate but I, I i again i liked how they used her appropriately to like push the the narrative of the clones getting representation and you touched on it before about how this reflects a lot of real life um with like military veterans and whether it's military veterans or people that have disabilities whether it's physical or mental um so yeah i i, I loved how they use the character i loved how they were trying to push it so i Again, it's a smart way to tell this story. Hell yeah. 100%. Like like you said, Milton, they did a good job in this episode of swerving around. Like, 
there were a few points in that episode i was thinking we were getting close to the to the um like how before the uh the assassin ended up getting captured and taking himself out like there were points in that sequence like i thought i thought we were gonna get her getting blasted away like at some points there it felt like she was you know in danger like which was nice because a lot of times with this show we haven't had stakes like obviously she wasn't a bad batch member so you know it it amplified it so you know she could have been conceivably taken out because she's not one of our main characters right so it was just nice not knowing the fate of her and just seeing how 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 it all played out yeah so moving on i love the transition where we get rex and it makes sense rex's been hiding he mentions uh the Martell sisters, they're hiding out. I guess they're on a mission for Pride for Rex off world or just something. But it was really cool seeing how they call, he called Bad Batch. Like, hey, we got to get the, uh, the Star Destroyers uh, information recorded. And I, I like that whole measure of getting in because that was a big thing for me. Like, this felt like a Republic Commando mission from the video game back in the day. This, you got these guys, they're going in the cover of darkness, they're going to sneak into. Uh, what what the heck is that Star Destroyer called? Something with a V. Venator class. Venator class Star Destroyer. Bringing it back. It's it's being retrofitted, and I like that little detail because you know what they're trying to do is they're trying to basically turn it into a regular Star Destroyer at this point. So it, as you've seen, it was like stripped of all the paint, and it's going to be like that dark, regular gray of the, the Empire, very monochromatic and non-colorful at all. So they get in there and they're just doing their stuff and then and then the actual you know clones and all that come through so what'd you guys think of the mission i really dug that mission i feel like it was pretty high intensity and, and it was pretty cool seeing the thing just kind of crash down and their their escape through an escape by i thought it was really good yeah i i agree i thought it was a really good mission again i this again this is what's frustrating because i legit keep telling myself during this episode is like why did why don't we get more of this because the Bad Batch aren't wasting time. Like there were, Dave Filoni and his team used them as they should be used. Is that okay? They're going to obviously get information to expose Rampart, but you're still getting character development with an actual mission that matters, not these stupid Sid missions, which we're going to get next week. Or, or I guess is that next week when they show the episode, or when are they showing it next week, or no? Yeah. Okay, so next week, if we get a stupid Sid mission, I'm going to be mad. I'm like, okay, why don't we build off of this? Why can't we use the uh, Bad Batch for missions that actually matter? Keep the momentum. Um, so, again, I, I was all about this mission. It played out great. I loved how everyone had their like role. Um, even, uh, what's her name? Um, oh, my God. The, the kid. What's her name? Um, Omega. Omega. Omega, yeah. Even Omega, um, like she, she played a role with just being, part with with uh, being with the senator and just you know advocating and saying, hey, this is what we need. Like she had her own mission too, so it, it was it was good. Yeah, I'm looking at let's let's take a look at the up, upcoming episodes. Uh, next week we have the crossing. Following week retrieval. After that, metamorphosis. After that, the outposts. Next up would be Pabu. 
tipping point, and then the two-episode finale would be the summit and Plan 99. So, I mean, I don't know if we can speculate on any of those episodes. The one, but, uh, the one, one title that makes me cringe is, are we going to get part two of Infestation on Metamorphosis? That's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what only, I was thinking. The only, only episodes I can guarantee are going to be good. Is going to be the mid or it's going to be the finale because that order 99 sounds dope and whatever the one called before it. Like, I, I can see the last two episodes, the sacrifice, yeah, the last two episodes, the last three episodes being something like pretty solid, but you know, the next oh my god, could be trash. And I'll and you know, y'all know me, I'll yeah. be in that group chat saying this show's garbage, I don't want to watch this again. <laughs> what happens, well, if, yeah. Go on, Chris. I was just gonna say, what happens if Plan Ninety Nine is like the reverse of Order Sixty Six, and like you say that, and all the clones like die? Well, here's uh, if, if they if they kill them off, or a majority of majority, majority of them, that would make sense because there's not many clones around during the Empire, and there, there's a few as we as we know. But if if, if they still have their chips in their heads, mm-hmm. and, and that's how they knock them out. And sure, that makes sense that 85% of the clones are wiped out, you know, over a course of time. Mm-hmm. Um, in a small pocket still around because their chips malfunctioned or, you know, they kind of just took care of them themselves. So, yeah, I, I would be okay with that as long well, as they do it right. Well, here's the thing, guys. They have it built into the show now. Like, even though, I don't know, that it, it's way too dark for the show, but just... You know, if they would execute Clone Order 99 or whatever, like, they have the built-in thing. Like, if they send out the the calling to all the clones, they could just do the electrocution thing. So, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. That's just too dark for the show, probably. I mean, they would probably just have to make it an implication. It's not like... It's not like the show's on regular cable. It's it's on streaming. Oh, yeah, that's true. They can get away with that. Well, you could imply it. You could have, like... You could have, like execute the order like show one clone trooper and then it's like we get the the whole gist of what happened it's like maybe they do it that way because at the end of the day like they acknowledged in this episode um i'm pretty sure rampart said it himself there are like two million clones or two or three million clones so like there are millions of clone troopers still left out there like what is how do they get rid of them like that's the real question like how do they do they get rid of them and so it's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing is uh how this whole plan is executed and uh just how they end up end up doing it really like that's a that's the big question moving forward and like you like you guys said the final two or three episodes should be pretty good on paper it's just we might have to white knuckle it you know through the next three or four just to see how things go yeah, so I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because we still got like the big, big part of the last episode to talk about. So yeah, we have this awesome mission. Um, we we mentioned about Omega. I feel like Omega definitely had some some nice moments in here. Uh, she definitely was absorbing a lot, learning a lot about the galaxy. Uh, and even there's a one moment. There's one moment in I think the the, the beginning of the second episode where she's actually talking to uh, Echo, and they're having a conversation I've wanted to see more of throughout the first half of the series or season, which is, hey, how are these characters feeling? What are What's going through their minds? Like, how maybe are they changing? And you get the idea of, like, okay, Echo is explaining, like, why he's there with them and all that sort of thing, and that goes in well with what happens at the end of the episode. 
But before we get to that moment, I want to talk about the big moment in the Senate room when we, when the good guys looking like they're going to win, they got the information to the Senate and it's shown that the, you know, the Empire Rampart is responsible. What was your reaction to Rampart being taken out of there? Because I was like not expecting that's how they're going to deal with this character. I was like, okay, he's going to get killed at some point. But this is a really interesting way to get rid of a villain. He's just going to be in prison for the rest of his life, supposedly. Like, I like how he was so unceremoniously just dismayed at that point by the Emperor. I mean, was... Well, Ma Masamita played him. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you clearly saw that. Like, when, whenever they, when he kept, he walked up on him and said, hey, you know, is this bill? And he asked him twice. He's like, are we going to get this bill passed? Or he's like, oh, no problem. I'm, I've taken measures, blah, blah, blah. And then, obviously, when they released the footage, and then the Emperor and Masamita pop up like bosses, and then how the Empire... The Emperor did a good job at saying certain words to manipulate it. Like, you, like go back and re listen to his speech. Like, he says, like, in my opinion, you know, blah. He used certain words to make it sound like that, but he talked about how the clones blindly just followed. Yeah. Him. And it's like, wait a minute, like, it may order 66, but again, regular people in that Star Wars universe don't know about that. We do as our audience members. And it's like he he used like order 66 protocol to say, hey, this justifies getting rid of the clones. And he, he it was smart writing. It's a smart manipulation ploy to one, get what he wanted, but also to you know, get Rampart, you know, arrested and say, hey, it's he's the reason why this is all went to shit. So I I loved it. I mean, Rampart deserved what he got because he, he's, he's a scumbag. No one trusts him. But like the Emperor is that's why the Emperor is the Emperor. He's the baddest man in Star Wars because he knows he's 10 moves ahead of everybody. Mm -hmm. He played Rampart the whole time. Rampart said, I followed orders again. Look at how they wrote that scene. I'm like, man, this this is crazy how they just twisted everything. That's the thing. The Emperor, right? It's like, hmm, did he already have this plan in his back pocket? Or does he have, like, option B, option C, option D also that he can just play at a moment? So well, think about it, though. He, you know he did because what? why would the clones want to tell the truth? He, he Somehow, he, ha he had to probably not... He had to probably put it in someone's head or put the information out there to get the clone really thinking like, okay, I feel horrible uh -huh. about this. I'm, like he had to have done something to get this started. He, he, the, the Emperor don't just do stuff to do it. I mean, look, well, go back go back to what what clone was it in Clone Wars that, that yeah, knew that's about what I was thinking of too. About to say, Order 66. Yep. Who, which I forget which clone it was. Five. And how that was playing out. And, and the Emperor knew, Palpatine knew what he was doing. He knew how to word things and put it out there. So, like, yeah. Yeah, Ben? Oh, yeah. I, I, I just thought the entire ending sequence was fantastic from, like, the way it was shot, the way, like, the music, the characters, the whole vibe of the room, the whole... Plot twist, like the Emperor coming in and just like ripping the carpet out from everybody, all, everybody's feet. Um, I just thought it was done so well. Because especially early on in the episode, I was like, man, are they going to really 
really tease us and not give us the emperor in this one Masamita's like oh no the emperor only comes out for certain things or whatever like like i was like are they really not going to give us palpatine um and then the whole showing of the information i mean you know add to like the real world stuff that would literally be like if like in front of our senate like they just show like a big military destruction of a city or something like that's wild they like just showed that basically to like the entire galaxy or, or world in our context like it's so, like the fact they were doing that i think was a really cool like kind of like real world thing there and then of course the emperor like the fact shout out ian mcdermott that was him playing it by the way mm -hmm. um the fact that he, he did such a good job like at this point, like, don't get me wrong, I love Sam Witwer playing the Emperor, but at this point, they just need to let Ian McDermott play the voice till he dies, like, at this point. Like, he's just, he does such a fantastic job of it. And like you said, Milton, the way they worded his lines, like, in my opinion, the clones, you know, blindly followed orders, blah, 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 blah. So the Emperor turned basically himself and the, gala the galactic government, like, into a sympath sympathetic figure, mm -hmm. you know. So I think that was such a good job. And then just the way the Emperor looked. I don't mm -hmm. know about you guys, but just the way he was shot, he looked, you know, like spooky looking. And um, I just, it, it had real like Empire Strikes Back vibes to it. Because his face looked like the, the guy from like Empire and the guy from Kenobi. Um, so I think that was great. And it just, it just hit the spot. Like it 100% like hit the spot. I was like, man. I rewinded that scene. I watched it like three times because it was just so good. It's like, man, like all I kept thinking was we can't we can't get this type of great storytelling throughout. Like this has been so good. Like please the, just I, keep this up because it just it was it was excellent. Yeah, the gravity of that moment felt amazing. Like the and fact I was that we worried about the clones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you see, like you hear that beeping. It's like beep, beep, beep. Like what the hell? Oh, sh the the thing's opening. He's coming through. He's coming through. It's like because they had just said before, like the emperor never shows his face anymore. So you know that this was a big deal for him to just suddenly appear in the middle of the imperial senate because this was a, an emergency situation he had to deal with on the spot and act on his feet and. Yeah, just classic emperor, classic emperor there, um, imposing as ever, right? Again, played by Ian McDermott, fantastic stuff there, looked great, and that's just the weight. Uh, this amplified this series so much higher. The the introduction of the Imperial Stormtrooper has begun. This is a story we've been waiting to see. Okay, how did this happen? Now we can look back to the Bad Batch. Somebody asked us, oh yeah, how, how were the clones phased out? Well, there's this whole machinations by Palpatine. Got this guy to admit that he basically destroyed Kamino and all this stuff. And it looked bad. The clones were super obedient. They couldn't be that way anymore because they were just killing their own people. They had to phase them out because according to Palpatine, they were, they were not fit to lead or not fit to fight at that point. So it's really cool now having like the actual through line to see where this happens. Now we just got to find out what happens to them at the end, you know? See, that's, that's the thing is, like, I was like, oh, man, even though the clones are bad at this point, you know, our whole grow, growing, like, relationship with the clones over all these years through Clone Wars, it's like, man, now what's going to happen to them? Because at first, based on the beginning of the episode, the way things were going, we all thought the clones were, you know, might get phased out and get, like, a happy ending type deal, like pension, like retirement. And now... 
it's like, are we going to get like implications? They're just rounding them up like, like they ironically rounded up the Jedi like type thing. Are we going to get that where like the clones is like, hey, report in or you're going to be like hunted down. And like, I'm really interested to see where they end up going with this because there's a lot of different directions and it's just, I don't know. I really hope we get like the implicate, even, even if we don't directly get the answer in the next episode, even if the next episode is a side mission, a Sid mission, like at least, like at least give us the breadcrumb in the episode of like, I don't know. They run into someone on another planet and them saying like, Oh my gosh, the we saw a whole platoon of clone troopers get rounded up, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Or something like something like that. So we know as an audience, like something bad is happening to the clone troopers. So it's like, I don't know. It's ironic that we had the clone troopers like do so much destruction, like taking out all the Jedi. And now, you know, basically it's like, you know, it's like pay the Pied Piper. Like now it's like coming around back to them. Mm-hmm. And the the episode could have ended here, and it would have been effective as anything. Could have ended here, but they went a step further and they heightened up the the seriousness of the story when they actually have Echo departing their group. And, and somebody had said at the beginning of this episode, "Okay, like this should have been more foreshadowing." This happened. I I, I was okay with this uh, because. It, Echo in the first episode of season two was like, we need to be doing more. We need to be doing more fighting. Um, and they're like, yeah, we're going to just do our mercenary. You know, Hunter's like, ah, we're just trying to survive. Just us, you know, here. And, and, and Echo, as a clone that was fighting constantly on the front line, not saying that Bad Batch wasn't, but, you know, he was a reg, essentially, the whole time, has that mentality. So to actually see him at this point, he realizes the, the weight of the galaxy is really up to him and Rex and some of these other cells that are going to be activating and i thought that was really cool i think that was like a really heartfelt moment the goodbye between omega and echo more so than i felt in the entire series so far and i feel like that was like the punch to the gut or you know that this show needed it needed more emotional weight it has also moments like with with um cody and and, and with uh, crosshair and with this moment with palpatine but there hasn't been a lot of like hard pull at your heartstrings kind of moments uh, which most Star Wars has, and uh, I was happy to actually see, like, okay, this is this is definitely more of a sentimental, emotional moment, and for me, I think it, it was earned, and uh, it's going to be interesting going forward now. Halfway through the series, we have one less member of the Bad Batch, well, actually two now, you know, Crosshair now, and now we have Echo leaving, so how is the crew going to react? Are we going to cut back for an episode and see what Rex and Echo are doing? Maybe not. Is it just going to be hyper-focused on the Bad Batch after after hearing what's going to go on? Is this what's going to also drive them to join the, the Greater Rebellion with Bail Organa or whoever at this point? But yeah, Melon, what was your response? What was your reaction to seeing Echo go at the end of the episode? Uh, it, it was like, I think the word I want to use that you said was earned. Um, mm -hmm. You can definitely tell that you know, he was, you can see throughout the episode, he was getting conflicted. And I think he's a good example of what happened to him. He talks about it. He's like, you know, I could have easily been stuck on the planet without these guys, like, you know, whatever. And I, I think how he has developed and how he is as, as a character, he's not just a regular clone. He's someone that, that can really advocate, that can really help the, the senator. Um, he can really help Rex push the narrative and get things done. 
Um, if it was just some random clone that we met yesterday, I'd be like, eh, that, that doesn't work. I mean, I, he doesn't really have an impact. Um, but I think because it's that particular clone, it works. I thought the, uh, the, the contact between he and um, Omega worked. It was earned. It made sense. Omega has a significant attachment to all of them, but you definitely tell she's connected to, to, um, to him for sure. So it was nice to see how he said, you know, you know, remember or continue your training. And she said, instead of her saying like, okay, she's like, yes, sir, I believe, or something like that. So she she views herself as a soldier. Um, so it was a, it was a good scene. It, it worked. It, it it was a good way to end such a heavy episode. That's a really great way. This was a heavy. Episodes. Great way to explain that, Milton, because, uh, yeah, he took the words out of my mouth. This was not a very happy-go-lucky episode, honestly. It was just like, okay, uh, we got the complete decimation of an entire sentient people, basically. Upon, you know, I got, like, a very cryptic... I don't know about you guys, if you picked up on this, when Chuchi was going and talking to Rampart in his office, and he's like, oh, they'll be very ta well taken care of. I was like... I feel like he's, that's like a euphemism. Like he's gonna just like, yeah. again, trigger something and just kill them all. It's like, oh yeah, uh, it was too easy for him to just admit that. Like, oh yeah, they'll be taken care of. Yeah, not with your money because they're going to be dead in the ground. He doesn't have to worry about them at yeah. that point. I think it's, I think, I think the leading, the leading candidate is going to be that electrocution thing, I think. Because like how else, you know, how else realistically are you going to get rid of all the clones? You know, you have that. And then, you know, like you both said though, the whole, the whole heaviness, or like the whole way this episode ended with Omega and Echo, I thought was done really well as, as well. Um, just because you know it's it's nice for Echo's character, um, it's nice for Omega's character in terms of growth. As in, uh, you know, obviously she dealt with the stuff earlier in the episode, and then now this, and now she, like you said, Milton, she's like realizing she's like a soldier, and I think, I mean. It, they might answer these questions by doing it. We might get, who knows, we might get a little time jump, <clears throat> potentially. Maybe mm -hmm. we get a six-month time jump or something, because how else are you going to continue this arc? Like, it just it just makes me wonder, like, what they're going to do next. Like, are we going to get a, I don't know, them in the ship literally saying, what are we doing next? And then they get a call from Sid. Like, I don't know, are we going to get that, or are they going to just jump at six months past this or something? Like, um, I think there's a lot of different options they can go. But yeah, and then, you know, like you mentioned, Chris, about the whole implications, you have like Rampart, like implying like evil stuff, basically toward the clones. It's like, all right, so what's going to happen here? And of course, you know, Palpatine, like I said earlier, now that Palpatine has his reasoning, he had to have, you know, it's like, uh, like in the world, like in the real, real world with crime, like. You know, you have to have, like, a cause um, to, like, charge people and stuff. So, like, now Palpatine has his calls to charge the clone troopers with basically treason. Um, or, or, you know, not disobeying orders, basically. So, it's just, like, I don't think the clone troopers are going to get a happy ending. I really don't. And then, you know, maybe, maybe we get it weighing on the Bad Batch. Like, knowing they were responsible for it or maybe we mm. go back to rex for something toward the end of the season and rex is feeling responsible because like i mean for all intents and purposes 
this whole thing was driven by Rex. Like, you know, it's, it literally falls on Rex's shoulders that he had them get the plans, had them show it, and then it's going to, like, result in all his, like, clone brothers getting wiped out, basically. So it's going to be really... I'm really fascinated to see how they how they handle this. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting away from the clones and going back to Omega, I got to mention this. So there's a moment where she's, like, attempting to meditate on their on their ship. And I don't know. I've been kind of looking into this maybe a little bit too in depth. But even in season one, I think we were talking about her like force sensitivity, perhaps. Because there's definitely some call outs to that in the first season. Not so much this season, but between last episode of Milton with the Wookiees and with Kashyyyk and him and her with with Gunji and like, you know, seeing him using the force. um, I don't think she's seen anybody use the force before, right? Has she been? No. Yeah, because when they seen when they seen Kanan earlier on, she wasn't even there at that mission, so he wouldn't. She wouldn't have seen that happening. So I don't know if the, I don't. I'm not saying she'll ever be a Jedi. I think she should. She could be like any of these other characters in the Star Wars galaxy who have Force sensitivity, but they don't necessarily use it. Like for instance, like Maz Kanata, I think had always been known to be like a Force sensitive person, but she never got official training so hence she doesn't really have power but she has like availability to the force more than a normal person to like get sensations to get maybe uh warnings through the force and things like that so yeah i don't know if you guys picked up on that but it it was interesting she was like in exact jedi meditation poses like hey it's not working for me well you know it doesn't come easy to everybody you have to just kind of let your mind just be enveloped by the living force you know and in whatever way you can yeah, I'll be honest with you. Now the thing about it, because because I think I kind of like was like this scene was kind of stupid. I wouldn't say stupid. That's probably too strong. I felt that was the weakest part of the episode because I was just like, eh. I'm like, are, we, are they stretching this? Like, I don't know. Like, it just, to me, I don't want to. The Force don't need to be part of the, the Bad Batch unless they're actually around the Jedi. And and I know I know as a child she would question it. Like she would probably do what she did. But it was just like, ugh, like, come on. Like, I don't care about the Jedi right now. I want to see, like, more what's going on with these guys in the sense of their mission and, you know, the, the government. So I thought that was the weakest part. But I, I it make logically, it, it played out the way it should have. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. Like, it makes sense why they put that in there. Yeah. Yeah, like, I, I agree with you. Like, I think I think this was, I mean, to me, like, we'll get to our um, ratings um the end of this episode but like to me i think it was the weakest part but at least it connected you know like you mentioned chris we talked about it earlier in bad batch season one like in one of the early episodes it might have been the third or fourth episode like there was a sequence whenever omega like was using a blaster or whatever it was like i don't know her reaction time was like really really fast like even faster than you know the clones reaction time so it's just like hmm wonder what that was about so like that she might potentially just be one of those people like you said potentially getting like pings of the force basically versus like being a full-blown jedi or something just because it's like if if she is a jedi or eventually like something like that it's like how are you going to go forward with that character because like to be realistic you know if she would become let's just say full-blown lightsaber swinging force user like that would make the Bad Batch crew unstoppable versus any of these thugs they go up against. Mm-hmm. So, 
it's just like it's a stretch in that regard for the show maybe by the end end of the series like if we somehow get a season three like i don't know about that but if we get if we get a season three some somehow maybe at the end of season three it'll be like that kind of rise of skywalker finn reveal that he has the force type thing like it might be something like that but i don't see us getting a full-blown omega lightsaber swinging jedi like i feel like there's a better chance of us getting omega meeting boba fett at some point over even that like just because it's like she literally is the female version of boba fett like you know she's an unaltered like a not deep not age accelerated clone trooper which is literally boba fett so it just it makes you wonder if we'll ever even get back to that storyline i mean because that was something that i mean he was mentioned two or three times in season one so just uh i don't know her character it's it definitely is gonna be interesting to see where they end up going with it and i have just had this uh epiphany if you will <laughs> right here on the show right here on the show live everybody um all right, you ready for this? So, okay. So, this is nothing to do with this episode, but I'm just thinking about the Bad Batch. I'm thinking about, as you just mentioned, oh, I don't think it's going to season three, season two. The thing I was talking about with the, the killing of the of the bad, of the killing of the clones with the electrocution thing, Plan 99, I think the Bad Batch as a title of this series doesn't relate just to the Bad Batch as the named crew, but the clones in their entirety are the bad batch as a contaminated project product that has to be disposed and these two seasons of the bad batch are the downfall of the clones to their extermination hence the bad batch that is actually a very very good um very good point you made there like that's actually a very see like i've been I've been cracking jokes about the title saying The Bad Batch, meaning the show's bad, but that's actually a good um, in-universe like reasoning. I mean, it could literally mean um, the our crew, but overall, like, you know, we get that in a lot of shows or movies when, you know, like, the title is, is bigger than what it's, like, directly meaning. Like, it's meaning something mm-hmm. way bigger than just, you know, just the, uh, just what's directly in front of us, like, with the crew. So, like, it really could be the Bad Batch, as in, like, the clones are also the Bad Batch. So there you go. We're going we're gonna to leave the, the viewers and the listeners simmering on that. Let us know in the comment section down below. Let us know. Email outroomtransmission at gmail.com. Anyway, you guys can reach us. What do you think about the Bad Batch and, and, and where it's going so far? We'd love to hear your reactions. We're going to get into our scores and thoughts and everything uh, scores out of 10. I'm going to start this one off. I'm going to give this a 10 out of 10. Uh, it doesn't get much better than this, honestly. Um, I don't give 10 out of 10s for no reason, all right? This is the best episode for The Bad Batch, Season 2 and Season 1 combined. This is the new gold standard. Um, it's going to be really hard for the show to be better than this. Uh, maybe the finale, maybe the series finale could be just as good, and then I would have to reimagine my score somehow. But no, the reasons why is... Compelling plot line, beautiful visuals, the tone was great, I was on the edge of my seat, I was completely engaged, it brought back characters from throughout the Star Wars timeline, 
you know, we had Bail Organa, we had the legacy of Padme with Rio Chuchi. We had the dealing with the clones on a level I never would have expected Star Wars to deal with. Again, going with the veterans in our real life, just the, the, uh, the com commentary on the, the real life stuff that George Lucas always sprinkled throughout his stories for fiction. Um, everything, the music, every single thing was, was perfection. Um, 10 out of 10. There you go. Ben. I, I completely agree with you. Everything on this, everything for these episodes, I think they were, it, it's the best episode of the series for sure. For me anyways, just because of all of those reasons you mentioned from the visuals to the character development to the story, the engaging story. That's the big thing I think we've been hammering so hard in this season. And then when we were running into fillers last season, the story, the story, the story. Like, this truly felt like peak Clone Wars. It felt like, you know, it just was a good, good story. Like, and, you know, we all three of us talked about it. You know, especially like you, Milton. Like, you know, it's like, why can't we just get this? Like, you know, this is the big thing with me. It's like, like, I ended that episode and was like, why can't we get this every week? Like, and if, if we got this every week... We would have Clone Wars or Rebels 2.0 again where people would be saying this is the best dang thing in the world, blah, 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 like, you know, and carry on and on about it because it's so dang good. Like, I absolutely loved it. Um, I mean, even one of my one of my friends, they sent me a, a GIF from SpongeBob. It was like Patrick saying this is what we've been waiting for. And this has, this is exactly what we've been waiting for for this show is like this type of a story. And then, of course, like the fantastic ending of the episode with Palpatine doing the whole big plot twist, basically, um, on the good guys, pulling like a classic Palpatine. Like, I just loved it. And, the, of course, the fact that it was he was played by Ian McDermott just made things even better. And then just the way he looked, like I said, he looked real kind of spooky looking. I just, I just think they did a really, really good job there. So, yeah, for me, easily 10 out of 10. Ed Milton. What are your thoughts? What's your score on the episode, man? Yeah, uh, overall, like I said, I, I echo everything you guys are, are saying. Um, so I'll, I'll try not to repeat a lot of that stuff. But great episode. Can't complain. I, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. And like I always say, part of my score depends on the rewatchability. This particular episodes are very rewatchable. They're some of the best Clone Wars, Bad Batch, we've had, you know, and, and I don't say that often. I mean, and, and I like, I love the Clone Wars as a series. Like, I love it. Bad Batch, like I said, it's very lukewarm to me up and down mm -hmm. like a roller coaster, but this particular two-part series or two-part episode was banging. Um, it's exactly what was needed. It's a great way to push the narrative. I hope we get more of it. Uh, my fear is that we won't next week, but, <laughs> you know, I have to live with it. Um, Palpatine, yeah, I, I know... Palpatine doesn't get enough love when it comes to his cameos in animation. Because anytime he's in animation, he stands out. Um, and your eyes are on the screen. Like, I did not take my eyes off the screen when Palpatine was talking because he's the guy. So, overall, this was a 10 out of 10. Even though I didn't like that whole meditation with uh, Omega, it didn't take me out the story and it wasn't that bad. So... This is probably one of my rare 10 out of 10s because this episode yep. was pretty damn good. And I hope, I hope the second half 
learns from this and gives us more as it should because we're now starting to crank crank it up oh yeah so 10 10 and 10 that might be a record for the channel i mean i was expecting that to happen on like a mandalorian or an ahsoka live action series episode but the fact that we go from giving bad batch like uh, twos and threes and fours out of ten to go for a ten out of ten it's like that, but here's the thing though like and and, and that should tell you something that should tell you something it. that we're not we're not playing around when we give these scores i'm not just be like oh i'm gonna give a three just because or yeah. i'm gonna give a seven just because no we actually pay attention when we watch these shows i even though I may not like half the episodes, I still be like, "All right, what didn't I like? What I actually like? What can I take away from this? Am I am I acting a fool if I'm giving this a low score?" And it's like, no, because it's consensus. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Dave. Fal- well, he might disagree with us, but I don't think any other fan would say that we're being over the top throughout the last you know year and a half and how we've been seeing the show. No, no. Um, well, that's the, that's the thing too. Like here with us, like I feel like we always give fair assessments of these shows, whether it be Bad Batch or Andor, Mando or uh, whatever it may be. Like you know, we're not like overreacting, you know, just over just dumb stuff. Like it's just it's fair critiques, whether yeah. they be positive or negative or anywhere in between. It just you know, I feel like we're always giving good fair critiques, and like this week, like I said, D- this episode earned a ten out of ten from all three of us. So there you have it. Also in the chat, we have Dark Nerdy Gonzo giving it both episodes in eight for him. So there you go. Those were our reviews, our thoughts on the latest Bad Batch episode. Again, let us know what you think in the comment section down below. Send us a tweet on Twitter. Speaking of which, where can the good people find you, Milton? You guys can find me on Twitter at MiltonWeber7 or Instagram at Milton7Weber. Um, it's the big weekend, Super Bowl mm-hmm. weekend. My Eagles are in the uh, Super Bowl, obviously. I'm super hyped. I got some good plans for it. Hopefully, we get a win. Um, I'm mentally prepared for either a win and a loss. You just have to be at this point. Um, so, other than that, though, I'm, I'm rooting for us to win. It should be a good time. Can't wait to spend time with some friends, eat some good food, and just you know enjoy the weekend. There you go. What about you, Ben? I mean, I'm going to be doing a lot of similar things, pretty much just, you know, the normal talk or um, documenting like my fitness stuff on Instagram, working out this weekend like normal, um, have a workout plan for the tomorrow morning. I can't wait to do just the just the basic stuff. And then, of course, catching up on different shows. One show that I'm loving so far, highly recommend it to any of our audience any of our listeners, any of our viewers on YouTube, and even you guys, you two, um, the show You on Netflix just released its new season just yesterday, and I've already watched the first three episodes, and it's fantastic. By far one of my most favorite shows in, in the past few years. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm going to probably be binge-watching that either tonight and tomorrow, just catching up on that show. Probably just going to finish the entire season before Sunday, before the Super Bowl. And then, yeah, Sunday's the big game. I'm I'm like, I'm a neutral fan because I like Cleveland. I like the Browns, but I'm like a de facto Eagles fan in this situation, pulling for Milton's team. Um, so I hope the Eagles win. And then, yeah, you can find me talking about these things on Twitter at Real Ben Maynard, and then me posting my fitness content on Instagram at Real Ben Maynard as well. 
And there you go. As far as for me, uh, you can catch me playing Hogwarts Legacy like a madman because I am just hooked on that awesome game. Um, it's basically doing for me what Jedi Fallen Order did for the Star Wars gaming franchise where it's completely revitalizing uh, gaming with, with Harry Potter. And uh, yeah, created my character. His name is Carver Fletcher. He is a member of House Gryffindor. I have a Dragon Core 14-inch Beechwood wand, uh, so you can find me talking about the game at Star Raptor on Twitter. Um, and make sure you go ahead and check out the YouTube channel, of course, if you're listening through podcasts, youtube.com slash Star Raptor. I will be covering, of course, the weekly comics, as always, um, and going to be here again next Friday at 9 o'clock Eastern. We hope that everybody can also... Uh, join us here then. So for Ben, for Milton, for I, Chris, aka Star Raptor, that's going to do it for us for Outer Rim Transmission, episode 95, getting ever closer to that triple digit milestone. Well, we can hope you guys can join us for next week. Have a good one, everybody. May the force be with you always in transmission.